Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 27th of February 2011, entitled, God is Looking for You. And the Bible reading is taken from Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 23 to 31. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, good morning. <laughs> it has been a long week, hasn't it? Uh, I'm so thankful to see God do a work. He has, um, he's showed up and um, he started earlier on last week and it just got, uh, I'm going to use an American word, it just got gooder and gooder as the week went on. It did really get good and, and it's been that way. And, and last night, uh, we had a, a number of young people make uh, solid decisions to trust Christ or get assurance of their salvation, and it was just marvelous things uh, has the Lord done. It's uh, marvelous in our sight, and uh, I want to be a blessing to you this morning. want to be right to the point. We don't have a whole lot of time. There's food up there, and anytime God's people smell food, they don't listen very well. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to preach over the fragrance and aroma of all of those dishes up there. Um, and it's affecting me too. So let's go, uh, let's go to God's Word. Uh, Ezekiel chapter number 22. We'll begin reading in verse number 23. While you're finding your place, let me say that I have a preacher friend in the United States who, I guess some 30 years ago, was in a car accident with his family lost his mother and his father in that accident. A drunk driver crossed three lanes of traffic, hit them head on. That time he was 12 years of age. He remembers the last words of his dad as he watched him lay in his own puddle of blood say, I love you, son. He couldn't say take care of his mother because he saw that his mother would, had passed, passed away right before him, right beside of him. He was in shock. He had a broken leg. He had a, uh, a broken arm. They got him to the hospital, and when he looked at his physical condition, Davy, he looked down, and he had blood all over him. He wondered where it was coming from. But to his amazement, he didn't have a scratch on his body, just broken bones. When asked how he couldn't have gotten a scratch and his mother perished in the crash, at that time, when he was 12 years of age, he lived back in a day and age when they didn't have seat belts and all the laws that we have today. And he was sitting in the front seat with his mother and father. What he had come to realize, Cecil, is that his mother had shielded him and laid herself across his body when she saw the impending blow of the other vehicle. And the blood that he had on him wasn't his blood. It was his mom's. You say, wow, I, I don't know of any greater love that a person can have for that of their children, for their children. May I say this, that that love pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ did for us. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinner Steve plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. 
Have you been plunged in that blood? Have you been washed by the blood of the Lamb? It'll make you as white as snow. Though your sins be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. I don't know who I'm speaking to today and this morning in this service, but you know what? we got a good crowd here today. I thank God for you being here. But the God who said, who can you liken me to and who can be my equal? That same God, Neil, says, I can give you power. I want to give you power. He said to, he said to Isaiah, when he said in all of chapter 40, he said, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. He said, there's woman, listen, there's one, the prophet said, that's coming, who he was as a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. He said, I am the one that's altogether lovely. I am the Almighty. But he said, have you not heard? Have you not known that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He said, well, he giveth power to the faint. And them that have no might, he increaseth their strength. He said, well, even the youths, even the young people shall be without strength. And the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You can take courage today because that one that sits on a throne, and by the way, he's not in heaven building you a mansion. He said to his disciples before he went away, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions, present tense. They were already prepared for us. What was Jesus saying when he said, I go to prepare a place for you then? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. What was he talking about? He was going to Calvary to prepare a way that men, women, boys, and girls could get from earth to heaven by two pieces of wood and three nails. He was preparing a way. My God sat down in heaven. My Savior has sat down at the right hand of God. And he don't have to be up there working and building something. Remember, it's already prepared. He's, his work was completed on the cross, and he sat down. You say, preacher, why are you saying all of that? Because I want you to understand the same God who has power to raise up the dead and to bring, and listen, breathe new life into dead bones. He did it last night. He can do it today. That same God says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It didn't say you'd always feel strong, but the days when you don't feel strong, you can renew it because you serve a one who is altogether lovely and who is alive today. He's alive. As a side note, I want you to think about something with me. That same God that has that much power, who needed none of our counsel in how to create everything we see, who made your body so Intricate. Did you know, did you know that your, your heart pumps at such a velocity 
that if it were to pump blood just out in the open, it would shoot it 35 to 40 feet. He created every hair on your head and numbered them. I have 420 left. <laughs> he, num he numbered. I got to tread lightly right there. Some of y'all got less than I've got. <laughs> Some of y'all's grown through your hair. Amen. <laughs> Going right up through it. Yeah, got, Evie got it. She, she got that. She did. She got it. <laughs> but you know that God, who need, by the way, who needed nobody's counsel. You know, I love when people say, I found the Lord. Well, no, you didn't. He found you. God wasn't lost. You were. He found you. When you wasn't looking for Him, He came looking for you. That same God. Now, you say, preacher, why... That same God who needed nobody, but thank God He includes us in His work. That same God is looking for somebody that He can use. Y'all, if you don't remember, the United States had a sign where Uncle Sam had, a, had his hat on, you know, in red, white, and blue, stars and stripes, and he had his finger pointing out. In the day and age in World War II, it, it said, He's looking for you. May I say this? The God who has been crowned with many crowns, whose name is above every name, who's the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys, the bright morning star, the fairest of 10,000 to our soul, that same God, Steve, is looking for somebody he can use in his service. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Fifteen years ago, I thought I knew a lot about the Bible. The longer I serve God, the less... I I'm finding out I know because he's so unbelievable. Why would, why would a God like that want to use us? Well, I'm going to tell you why. I want you to look at Ezekiel chapter 22. Look at verse 23. It said, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art a land, thou art the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy, of her a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the Profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. I'll be honest with you folks, I get about this point, and it's like reading the USA Today. It's like reading the Birmingham Times or whatever y'all's paper is called. I mean, we, we're living in a desperate day. Look at verse number 28. And the prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. You know what? If you don't have a foundation, Jesus told a story about a man who built his house on sand. When the storm came, it shifted, and all the foundation and everything it was built upon crumbled, and his house was destroyed. But when a man built his house on the rock, when the storms came, it stood firm. 
It says that her prophets have dogged them with untempered martyr, mortar, martyr, untempered mortar. It's been a long way. Seeing, seeing vanities and divining lies unto them, saying, look at this, saying, thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. Boy, don't you love them people that say, I got a word from the Lord. Well, I do too. Use it. Well, he gave me this vision. No, what I think happened is you had a bad piece of pizza before you went to bed. Somebody asked me one time, they said, I want to see a vision of Christ. I said, I'll tell you what, if you want to see a real vision, here's a recipe for a vision. Before you go to bed tonight, young people, and you go home, you make you an onion sandwich, you sprinkle it with hot Tabasco sauce, and you chase it with a gallon of buttermilk, I promise you, you'll get a vision sometime tonight. <laughs> I promise you're going to wake up going, ah! oh, you're going to have some type of vision. But you know what? The only vision we have of Jesus Christ is a revealing of him in Revelation chapter number 1. Anybody that tells you they got a vision of the Lord, let me say something. God has revealed himself right here. In the beginning was the word, logos, the very divine expression of God. He, listen, Jesus was God. He was God. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. But look at verse number 30. The prophet said, and I sought for a man among them. It literally means, Pete, out from among them. I sought a man out from among them that should what? Make up the hedge and stand in the gap. By the way, young people, those Hebrew verbs are present, active verbs. That means they are continuous. So it literally means this. I sought for a man out from among them that should keep making up the hedge and keep standing in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But look at the last part, Dino, of the verse. But... I found verse number 31 therefore I have I poured out mine indignation upon them I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath their own way have I recompensed upon their heads saith the Lord God I contend to you if we don't see God and allow God to do a major move in our countries I'm talking about England and America that I believe Ezekiel twenty two thirty one will be the epitaph on the gravestone of our nations. Therefore have I consumed them with my wrath. You know what, folks? I'm thankful we serve a long-suffering, merciful God. But there's coming a day when the welcome mat's going to be pulled out from underneath it. And you know what? God will be just in His vindication and His judgment upon the nations for them shaking their fists in the face of the, the hand and bitten the hand that so graciously fed them for the last thousand years. God's looking for you. How you like that? God's looking for you. God came last night looking for you, young lady, young man. You know what? The first area that God comes looking for you in is in salvation. 
Look unto God and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. God's eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save. I'm looking for somebody that I can have fellowship with. Now that blows my mind already that the God of heaven wants to fellowship with me. He's looking for you. The God of heaven wants to use you. He's looking for a man. And this is not my message, but this is just by way of introduction. He's looking for somebody that is distinct. That means it's set apart. I sought for a man out from among them. Somebody that is distinct. God is looking for some young people, and I said it this weekend. God is looking for some young people that is willing to sink the boat and not just rock the boat. If it need be done. Are you going to be distinct when you go back to your university? Are you going to be distinct when you're among your lost friends? Are you just going to go with the flow? You're going to run with the crowd. You know what? It's almost like, Steve, the whole crowd's going that way. And Ezekiel said, I'm looking for somebody. God spoke to his prophet and said, I'm looking for somebody, a man, a woman, that will, Chris, turn around. And when the rest of the crowd's going across the cliff, that they turn around and say, I'm here, Lord, reporting for duty. We've got to be distinct. Distinct. We've got to be... And young people, I know I make crazy analogies, but you know what? They, they, they work. Okay. I've said this before. In the Christian arena, when you, listen, as a born-again believer, you've got a choice in, in your distinction. Listen, Moses, listen, said, who's on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, come on over here. But if you ain't, yeah, Moses from, was from southern Israel. He, he said, if you ain't, go over there. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, the, the gods of the, your fathers which were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, but as for me and my house, we will... Conscious decision, a distinct choice. I will serve the Lord. You know what I think it's time for us to do? To make a conscious decision that it doesn't matter who hurts our feelings, whether it be believer or non-believer. Well, preacher, we just don't do it that way at our church. I've heard that a million times. Well, I'll tell you what, preacher, I've been praying about leaving the church. Well, I... Sometimes want to say that makes two of us. I've been praying you'd leave too. Now, all they want to do is gripe and argue and complain and divide the church. I've been praying about leaving. Well, with an attitude like that, you need to probably go start your own movement. And call it Unity Baptist Church. <laughs> no pun intended. We don't do it that way. You know what? It's time that people stop coming to church. Listen to me, young people. Don't you do this. Don't you fall into the trap of going to church just to get offended. There's people that come into church and all they're doing is coming to try to see who they can be offended by so they'll have an excuse not to do the will of God. Hello. Don't come to church to get offended. Go to church to be a blessing. Amen. 
God's looking for a distinct person that will stand up in the face of adversity and say, Holy God, I'm here, and I know I'm yours, and you're mine, and I'm telling you, it don't matter who hates my guts. It don't matter who persecutes me. It don't matter what they say about me. All that matters is what I say about you. Be somebody that's distinct. Young people, be somebody that's determined. He said, I sought after a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. He said, I want somebody that will keep on making up the hedge and keep on standing in the gap. Man, there are things that hit you every day that want to knock you down. The storms come. And you know what? If Listen, just because the storms come don't mean the boat's going to sink. I found this out. If Jesus is on board... It can't go down. Jesus promised the disciples, he said, I'm, we're getting on this ship and we're going over to the other side. He didn't say we're going to get halfway out in the Sea of Galilee and it's going to sink. We're going over to the other side. Listen to me. We need some young people that are determined in their heart. And listen, determined not just to do something, but to do something right. Hello? Are y'all awake? Say Amen. Am I speaking Russian? Say amen. I don't think so. Be, listen, be, listen, be distinct. Be determined, but be devoted. God's looking for devotion. He's looking for somebody to use. Now, having said that, I want you to look over at Matthew chapter number 9. Michael, last night when you spoke and gave your... I thank God for you, son. I really mean that. You blessed my heart ever since I met you. And God's using you, and He's going to continue to. But you said something last night that I couldn't get away from, and I went and I read it last night. I want you to look at Matthew chapter number 9. God's looking for somebody He can use. That person must be distinct. That means, you know what? You can't be a chameleon as a Christian. You've got to be willing to be distinct. That it's set, You are set apart and that people know where you stand. And may I say this, young people, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Matthew chapter number 9, look at it. Matthew chapter number 9, and I want you to look at verse number 36. Let's go back up to verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Look at verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Now I want all of you to look at me. What Jesus saw with his eyes affected his heart. Huh? What the God of the universe saw with his eyes affected this. It says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. It literally means stirred. When Jer- Listen, when Jesus stood over Jerusalem, he wept over the city. When he stood before Lazarus' tomb, he wept. And when Jesus saw the multitude just wandering around like sheep that had gone astray, it moved him with compassion. Why? 
because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now you say, preacher, what are you saying all that for? Because folks, throughout the whole Bible, God has been on a quest to reach people. Started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. It goes to Noah. From Noah's day, it goes to the Tower of Babel. From the Tower of Babel, it goes all the way through the Old Testament, through the minor prophets and through the major prophets. You come through that 400 years of darkness and the dark times and where God didn't speak, and then you come on the scene, and it says that John was baptizing, and Jesus came, and he said, Listen, there's the one. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus began to walk dusty Galilean streets as a, a 30-year-old man. He began his earthly ministry. He healed the sick. He made the lame to walk, caused the blind to see. He raised the dead. He fed multitudes with two fish and five loaves. Jesus' earthly ministry was about reaching people. And the whole time, God's on a quest for His children. But He comes to a point right here and He says, You know what? He says, My heart's moved because of the condition of the people. You know what I found out, folks? That we as God's people, we're sheep. He's the shepherd. But I found out a few things, some intriguing characteristics about sheep. Number one, sheep lack, sheep lack direction. They lack direction. They don't, if you've got a, a flock of sheep and one begins to eat on a little plot of grass and the shepherd takes the rest of the flock over across the hill, that sheep will look up and he goes, well, I wonder where all the other flocks at. I don't know how they talk, but I guess that's what they say. But anyway, I, I'm just saying, the sheep look and go, where'd everybody else go? Well, they lack direction if they don't have somebody to lead them. Not only do sheep lack direction, but they lack discernment. May I say this, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> they lack discernment. But not only that, but they lack defense. You know what? Sheep are very, very defenseless. They're a very defenseless creature. They need somebody to protect them. Can I tell you something? If sheep lack direction, discernment, and defense, Jesus said, I am the... What is it? Way. You lack direction. He said, I am the way. If you lack discernment, if you don't know which way's up and which way's down, and right now you really don't know exactly what God's will is for your life, can I say this? If you lack discernment in that area, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to them, James 1, 5. But if you lack discernment, can I say this? Thank God Jesus is the truth. But brother, if you lack defense... And the enemy's trying to, you know what, it's an amazing thing. If you watch mountain sheep, especially in, 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 in down around the, the Swiss Alps, there's mountain sheep, and they, you know what they do, Peter? They are so defenseless, but they are so smart. They've learned to use their, their surrounding, their geography around them, the geographic surrounding. You know what they do, Tyler, is when a mountain sheep knows that there's a, an impending enemy that's trying to take their life, they run to the rocks in the mountains and they jump higher to a high rock and that mountain lion can't get in there. May I say this? If we're anchored and grounded in the rock, 
Listen, you know what sheep lack? They lack direction, they lack discernment, but they lack defense. If you lack defense today and you're saying, you know what, the devil's having his way with me and he's bombarding my mind, you know what Jesus said? I am the way for direction. I am the truth for discernment. And I am the life to give defense. You know everything in this Bible God was doing to reach you. To reach you, Mark. Him to reach you, Alex to reach you. Everything God was doing all the way back, even in the Garden of Eden, He was doing it for us. God was looking for us. Now, I've got to finish because of time, but I want you to turn to John chapter 10. I want to show you one verse and I'm done. This is an amazing verse, Chris. John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. And I know I've probably made some of you very weary. I'm weary. <laughs> I've probably uh, made you a little tired, uh, but can I say this? Uh, you know, most uh, preachers, your pastor has been called to comfort the afflicted. My job as an evangelist is to afflict the comforted, all right? So I'm just trying to stir your soul and to get you a little agitated so you'll get out of your comfort zone and do something for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you lack defense? Do you lack discernment? Do you lack direction? Let me tell you at the back end of everything that God was doing all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Look at, verse, look at chapter number 10 and look at verse number 16. Jesus said in verse number 14, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life. That's a voluntary act. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now look at this verse. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. And they shall hear my voice. Them also will I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold, and thank God one shepherd. Young people, can I say this? Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. Paul's burden was that Israel might be saved. He was a Jew. But his burden, listen, his calling was to the Gentile nations. Jesus said this, Peter. He said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Do you know what? The sheep he was talking about in Matthew primarily is talking about the Jews, but he said, my sheep have gone astray and my heart's burdened and broken for them. He said, but there's other sheep that I have which are not of this fold. Them must I bring also. You know what he's talking about? You and me, the Gentile nations. You know what I love about the book of Acts? There's a, there's a great small outline for the book of Acts. Jesus Christ went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the church went out. There's the book of Acts. You like that kind of message? Hey Amen, let's go home. <laughs> Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the church went out. In Acts chapter number 8, an Ethiopian eunuch gets saved by the grace of God. You know what? He's a descendant of Ham, one of Noah's sons. Noah had three, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Listen to this, guys. In Acts chapter number 8, an Ethiopian eunuch gets saved, a descendant of Ham. In Acts chapter number 9, Saul of Tarsus gets saved on the road to Damascus. His name's changed to Paul. He's a descendant of Shem. And in Acts chapter number 10, a Gentile dog soldier named Cornelius 
who had enough light to know he was in darkness, got gloriously saved by the gospel of Christ, and he was of the line of Japheth. Can I say this? Red, yellow, black, white, all are precious in his sight. God loves the little children of the world. Everybody. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. The verdict of the sheep. The verdict about the sheep as me as they must be reached. Karen, if, uh, if we were in the service today and we were having fellowship and we were running around and everybody was having their tea and biscuits and we were fellowshipping and all of a sudden, Karen came up and said, I, has anybody seen Bailey? Where's she at? She's got to be in the building somewhere and we would run and look everywhere in every nook and crevice in this building and she wasn't around. We would have to agree with one another that somebody's come in and taken her. And do you know what, folks, as, as, as urgent as we would be, there would be a lot of people in this building who could not physically go and look for her, but there, those people that couldn't physically go may say, well, you know what, here's some money, and I want to put this in the, ga in the petrol tank for you to put gas or petrol in your vehicle to go look for. Some couldn't even give money because they don't have a lot. That's most of us. But anyway, some would say, I could at least make some meals and we'll stay here at the church and we'll make meals for y'all when y'all are looking and sending out parties to look for. And we'll make meals up and we'll stay here and pray. You know what? Not everybody can do the act of literally going out there, but we can all get involved in reaching people. You want to know why? It's because we love Bailey. We love her. Can I say this? God loves you. And God is not only looking to use you in service, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ... He's looking for you to save you. He's looking to save you. What about you today? Hands are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. Are you a person that God is looking to use? If you are, then the characteristics will be you'll be distinct, you'll be determined, and you'll be devoted. But can I say this? If you're in here and you're not saved by the grace of God, God's been looking for you for a long time. You can sit around and debate and be a skeptic and think all you want, but you know what? There's going to have to come a time where you make a conscious decision to trust Him. Where do you want to spend eternity? That choice is up to you. You're here and you'd say, Preacher, with an upraised hand, I know I'm born again, know I'm saved. And I can raise my hand right now. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I've been saved. It might even have been this weekend and I can raise my hand and praise the Lord I've been saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. If you can do that once you put your hand up, you can put it down. God bless your heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, are you here today and God's looking to save you? He's looking for you. If you need to be saved, let me ask you a question. Would you let me pray for you and you'd say, Preacher, I know I, I know what you're saying, but I've not made that decision, and I want you to pray for me. I'm just not sure if something happened to me, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody who would just raise your hand up and then put it back down? I'll pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would, and I want you to pray for me. Anybody else? Let me, God bless you. Thank you. If you're here, can I announce to you some good news? 
Jesus Christ died personally for you. This is not a historical story. This is fact. 2,000 years ago on the cross of Christ, Jesus Christ died for your sins and paid your sin debt in full, past, present, and future. And all you've got to do is like a free gift, accept it. Take it for yourself. And be, listen, and be settled about this matter of where you're going to spend eternity. If you raised your hand and you need to be saved, you need to come and talk to one of us before it's eternally too late. One more question before we stand. Are you a person that God is looking for to use in His service? There may be a young person here, a mom and dad. I don't care how old you are. Whatever it is, but whatever your age is, God is looking to use you in full-time full service. And you know what? There may be somebody here struggling with the fact of where God wants them and that He's calling them. And you just say, Preacher, pray for me. I believe God is trying to use me and has His hand on me and I might be fighting it a little bit and I want you to pray that I just surrender all. Anybody like that? Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over. Thank you. Could I ask you to do me a favor today? Be judgment day honest in this invitation time and take an honest inventory and make things right between you and your maker. Father, in Jesus' name, bless this invitation time. Have your will in your way and we'll love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed as pastor comes and leads in this invitation hymn.